The Athletic. Lauren Hill. So difficult to stop. Oh! And then we're going to go to Hada. And then Kampen for Pernille Hada. Miedema. Miedema from the Dokers. Miedema! Goal, 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 goal. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast Euros edition. Coming up, is England's future looking bright? Can Deutsch land the trophy and feed the mead? It's Kate Borsay here. Hello to you. Welcome along. And I'm joined by the athletic duo of Michael Cox and Charlotte Harper. How are you, both of you? Charlotte, hello. Hi, Kate. Yeah, I'm I'm really well. Thanks. How are you? All righty, I think. Hanging on in there. I feel like I'm fizzing a bit with nerves, I have to say already. Uh, Michael Cox, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. And looking forward to uh, the final on Sunday. Well, a big welcome to you if you're joining us on socials as well. Do send in your comments. This is interactive, so you can get involved uh, throughout the show by sending in any questions for Charlotte or for Michael. Please uh, pick their brains, entice pearls of wisdom from them. Uh, You can do that uh, by leaving your comments and questions on The Athletic UK's YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. And I'll get those through to me and we'll send through and get through as many as we can for you. Well, the big Euros final is finally upon us. England versus Germany at Wembley on Sunday. England could win their first major tournament trophy. Germany could secure their ninth Euros title. Charlotte, to you, first of all, how are the nerves? How are you approaching this game? We've still got 48 or over 48 hours, so (laughs) the nerves are fine, actually. I think it'll be uh, Sunday before kickoff. I was sitting next to Michael, um, England against Spain, and the nerves were not okay. I think I was shouting, get rid, one of you, and no foul there. And Michael just looked at me and laughed with those there in extra time. But um, yeah, at the moment, fine. Business as usual. It'll be Sunday that nerves will start to kick in. Uh, Michael, you've been on a right adventure the last few weeks. You've been to nearly every single game. Um, are you looking forward to this one and are you approaching it any differently to any of the others? No, just uh, yeah, taking each game as it comes. Um, no, I mean, I think it's a really, it's an exciting final. I mean, England against Germany, <clears throat> excuse me, England against Germany, whatever the stage, I think is just, it gets people excited. I think there'll be a lot of people who haven't watched that much of the tournament so far who will get involved for the final. And I just think it's going to be a really big event. And um, yeah, hopefully for England, a better ending than this time last year. Yeah, well, let's get stuck into the game, then. Let's uh, talk through what we're expecting, what we need to be aware of. We're pretty sure of the starting lineup, so I don't think we're going to start there um, at all. We probably won't consider that first up. Let's talk about rivalry with you, first of all, Charlotte. England versus Germany. How big is this in the women's game? It's not as big uh, if we're to compare it to the men's game, but there's certainly some rivalry there just in terms of what's at stake and on offer. Um, back in 2007 at the World Cup, uh, they played out a goalless draw. In 2009, that was the big one when Germany thrashed England at the Euros 6-2. And Faye White said on the podcast how England <laughs> felt they did well to get two goals against Germany. That was a completely different kettle of fish. England was semi-pro, whereas mm. Germany were you know, fully professional Um Again, uh, in 2015, Farrah Williams scored uh, an extra time penalty to 
beat Germany 1-0 for that third place. Uh, and then most recently, uh, November 2019, England lost to Germany 2-1. Who scored there? Alexandra Pop at Wembley. Uh, Clara Bull as well scored, so we're coming on to her later. And then uh, in February, England beat uh, Germany in the Arnold Clark Cup 3-1. And that was a real, you know, England laying down their marker to take on Canada, Spain and Germany and win that tournament. That comes with a caveat there that only four players who lined up against uh, France in the semi-final featured in that game uh, in the Arnold Clark Cup. So they were missing their centre-back pairing of Hendrik and Hegerig. There was no Obadoff, no Pop, no Hoot. So take that victory with a pinch of salt. All right. So there's a bit of the history. Um, how how have other teams been able to get at England, Michael? Where's the weakness in the side that Germany need to exploit? Well, I think you look at the two knockout games and England haven't started well. I mean, the first half against Spain, I think Spain will match the better team. I think the first half hour against Sweden as well, England were under pressure. I think Germany probably be looking at the space behind the fullbacks. I think Lucy Bronze in the first half hour against Sweden had a bit of a, a difficult time. And we know that Rachel Daly in the... Uh, in the win over Spain in the second half, she was really getting a lot of problems against Del Castillo down that side. So that probably fits quite well with Germany's strategy, which is playing down the flanks. I think the sides are quite similar, actually, in a lot of ways. Both have two very good wingers. But yeah, it's England's fullbacks that I'd be most concerned about. All right. And what about the sort of key area um, of the field or the key tactical battle, really, that England have got to get right? How do they set up? against Germany and find those areas or those players to exploit? I think the thing that's probably most of a concern is Germany's pressing. I mean, four times in this competition in five games, they press really high up the pitch, won the ball quickly and scored almost straight away, um, which is pretty good going. Only five games, done it four times. So I think just the distribution from the back is going to be really important. And we know that's the strength of England. Uh, Williamson's great on the ball. I think Millie Bright's had a pretty good tournament on the ball. Kira Walsh, I would say, has maybe been England's most outstanding player just in front of them. But I think the intensity of the German press, particularly in the first 10, 20 minutes, I think that's going to be something that, yeah, England might need to go a little bit longer at times just because I think if you play into Germany's trap, um, you can get punished. Are we going to see Kira Walsh and Lena Oberdorf uh, having that key midfield battle, do you think, Charlotte? The thing is, you know, England do like to play down the middle as well, um, as much as we enjoy the wings, but they won't be able to do that, I don't think, uh, in this game, will they? They're going to have to think about about how they stop the press, as Michael said, um, but also where they're going to get their joy on the field. That midfield battle will be crucial, as Michael said. Kira Walsh has been sitting back in her deck chair and playing balls left, right and centre, putting uh, a foot in as well. Um, but yeah, if you look at the Germany midfield of Oberdorf and de Britz, then it's uh, it's going to be hard, really hard in there. Um, but we've seen Stamway and Kirby, especially against Sweden, how they came back and Georgina, uh, Georgia Stamway was talking about um, picking up the spare player and the communication between those three. So it's the midfield is not a concern, but where I think the game will be won and lost. God, I can't wait um, already. Um, let's talk about each side and, and and maybe how they've improved or not over the past few years with you, Michael. I know you, you wrote an article for The Athletic. Uh, you were looking at the stats really of the women's game as a whole and how it's improved since 2017. But interestingly, Germany's past completion rate has actually got worse 
Uh, just give us the reasoning behind that and whether that's a good sign for the Lionesses. Yeah, it's an, an interesting one, that. I mean, of the 14 teams that have competed at this tournament and the last one, Germany, the only ones where their past completion rate has gone down. It's gone down quite a lot, about 7%. And I think it does speak of the fact that they are trying to get the ball forward quickly. Um, they play up to pop quite a lot. She can come short or get aerial balls. We know that they like playing on the transition. So it's clearly working for them. I mean, both in attack and defence, they've only conceded one goal so far. And even that was a bit of a freak goal against France. Um, but it maybe is something England can be positive about. I mean, you look at Oberdorf's pass completion rate, and it's about 63%, which is really low for a player in her position She's getting rave reviews for her performances in the tournament, I think rightly so. But Kira Walsh's pass completion rate is about 90%. So there's a massive difference there in, in how good they are on, on the ball. Yeah. So I think in the midfield zone, England maybe can be confident they can get the better of Germany there. Uh, how do you stop pop, Charlotte? She's popping off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, considering that she had surgery on her meniscus and then um she broke down again in January had to have another surgery you know she we she wasn't anywhere to be seen and then coming back she had COVID in June but a 31 year old captain um leading her team um she's also recently completed a, a coaching uh, course with eight other German national players um along with the German Federation so I mean against France that she just came in like a steam train for that first goal. What a finish. Um, and, and that'll be a real battle between her and, and Millie Bright. Yeah, it certainly will be. And she's so clever with it as well, you know, in that uh, in that game against France as well, you know, pulling herself back from the crowd of players and then rushing in just at the right time uh, to be able uh, to get herself in front of the ball. It, it's those... It's those off the ball moments, I suppose, that are key for England to keep across. Can you call this, Michael, who do you think has got the upper hand here? Or is it, do we just get the joy of a really good spectacle here between two very excellent teams? Well, I think it will be a good spectacle. I mean, I think most games so far have been a good spectacle. There's been no nil-nil draws with the exception of one game that went to extra time before there was a goal. So I don't think either side are going to sit back here. I think England have just about got the edge. I think it's two really good teams, but I think England have got two big advantages. One is home advantage. We know that does matter. Mm -hmm. We had football behind closed doors for 18 months and we saw what happened with the results. And the second thing is a day extra rest. I think that was probably a factor against Sweden where it was two days extra rest. But I think if England get through the first 20 or 30 minutes, if the game goes into the second half, I think England have got a deeper squad. And yeah, it should be a little bit fresher. And... To a certain extent, they haven't had many worries throughout this tournament. There haven't been that many games, really only the Spain game, where they've had to really go deep. And I think they should be relatively fresh. So I think England have just about got the edge. Yeah, does that extra day's rest help or hinder, actually? Because it's there's been a few days, really, um, uh, between the semi-final and the final, Charlotte. So does that day's rest um, play well into England's hands? Will that make a difference? It's an interesting question. You think automatically it does um, an extra day rest for the for the legs and getting as much recovery as possible. We know that England have a, a sleep specialist. Um, there's a consultant uh, for the FA, and you know they've been working with the team for over eighteen months. This is not just something for this tournament. It's consistent and, and regular. And I've been asking the players like. <laughs> How how do you get to sleep after such an adrenaline high? And they said, 
we don't like it's you know very few hours but sleep specialist was saying that it's not necessarily about the nocturnal hours it's fitting in those naps if you have them in the afternoon or those kind of meditative moments um we've seen the england team uh, get involved in the kind of color wall that they have just to allow the brain to unwind a bit the caveat again is that with that one day extra you have further time to think further time to allow that brain to just yeah, as we all do the nerves as well you know and, over and you're lying in bed looking up at that ceiling thinking why can't I go to sleep but you know it's very very impressive that uh, Serena Wiegmann has stuck with the same starting lineup for, for the fifth game in a row potentially sixth on Sunday and those players are able to perform and you know this is part of their recovery looking at the volume of their training look at the intensity looking at the workload knowing when they need to add a bit more workload or reduce and very kind of bespoke to each individual and it's it's meticulous you have to cover every detail and it seems that no stone is unturned yeah small gains marginal gains um what is a color wall I just heard you mention it there uh, and I'm intrigued as someone who doesn't get enough sleep most of the time uh what on earth should I be doing <laughs> no I've just seen it on the lioness's um videos so it's a big uh black and white canvas um that they can color in on um in terms of you know just something to do and doodling we know Lotta Weaver Moy has her so it's basically book. adult adult coloring in adult fun adult fun <laughs> I mean <laughs> they've been playing volleyball or dodgeball <laughs> they've got their basketball table tennis like that here is with his intense tactical preparation and your knowledge of the game and what are the England Lionesses doing? They are colouring in uh, to prepare themselves for this game. A quick reminder from me that you can send in your questions and comments to both Michael Cox and Charlotte Harper here on this live broadcast uh, streaming via YouTube and you can get your comments in via The Athletic UK's YouTube channel via The Athletic UK Twitter and also Facebook as well. So do please quiz our experts. Um, here's another one for you, Charlotte. Serena Wiegmann, actually, Lindsay's interviewing Serena Wiegmann today, which is why she's not with us. And she gets to interview Mary Earps as well, who's been another excellent uh, addition, such an important part of England's squad. What will Serena Wiegmann be saying to her players right now? Uh, we pretty much know the lineup, or we think we do. But how does how does Serena Wiegmann play this one as a manager at this stage? She's been really emphatic in focusing on the here and the now and not getting ahead of yourself, not thinking about what could be or the dreams or the history or uh, any of the noise outside. They've really tried to contain um, and just focus on themselves inside the camp. And they'll, they won't change a lot. I mean, it's doing the basics well, repetition and those fine margins, they will tweak and, Michael will talk about more of the tactics of how they're going to approach the uh, the match, but it's I think keeping they they done they've got this far for a reason, um, and so it will be doing exactly as they know, going through their processes and, and making sure nothing slips through the cracks in in the last forty eight hours. So let's pick up on that then, Michael. Um, as they approach the game, I mean, does does it does it not play into Germany's hands that England? that we're pretty sure all pretty sure of England's starting lineup does that does that air of mystery that's now not there does that does that play into uh, Germany's hands 
Yeah, maybe to a certain extent. But I don't think there's too much difference with Germany, really. I think we can predict their starting lineup, with the exception of, of the COVID case. That's been really the only major change to their team, certainly in the big games. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think England are confident in the way that they play. Uh, I don't think... I mean, if you go back three years to that semi-final against the USA, Phil Neville changed quite... I mean, he completely changed the team, really, to account for the USA's strengths. It didn't quite work. But I don't think there's any sense that England want to play that way. They're not a reactive team. They believe in their attacking players and they've got a lot of them on the pitch. They've got four outright attacking players who I think can, can do a lot of damage. So I think we'll see pretty much the same strategy as we've seen before. They want to get the ball to the wingers. Um, I think um, Lauren Hemp, who I wouldn't say she's been quiet, but I thought she might be England's real star of the tournament. We haven't seen as much as her, yeah. of her as we thought. But then, but then how much is she being targeted by the opposition? Well, Maybe, maybe that is true. But I think Germany at times, their fullbacks, I, mean, I don't think they're the best players defensively. And I just think if England can get the ball to, to Mead and Hemp, certainly more so than they did against Spain when they're both quite quiet, then I think that's probably England's uh, inroad. Now, our regular listeners will know that we have something called the Hopeometer. Uh, it's been measuring the whole tournament, how hopeful we are about England at this tournament. In other words, England winning it. And we're now at the stage where there's a 50-50 chance uh, that it will happen. So uh, let's gauge where we are on the hopometer, if we can. Um, we normally have a sound effect, but I don't think we've got it for this live broadcast. So uh, I might, ooh, is how it goes. I mean, it's, a, it's an awful rendition. Normally I'm much better at impressions. Uh, can't do sound effects, though. Um, Charlotte Harper, where are you at on the hopometer? To, for England to win, I think I'm going to go a solid 8.1. Okay, Michael Cox. Uh, I'm not quite sure I'm as high as Charlotte on that scale, but I think oh, England Michael. are favourites. So I'm, I'm, the longer the game goes on, I think the more confident I'll be. I think if it goes into extra time, I really think England have got the extra depth in that squad. Penalties, not so sure. England versus Germany, I've got bad memories of penalties. So as long as we avoid that. I just need a mark out of 10, Michael Cox, please. Uh, let's go for a seven then. Oh, okay. I'm up there uh, with, I don't know, 9.3 as well. I'm, I'm, I mean, one of us has got to be um, over pitching it massively. And uh, that is me. Uh, we've got one from a listener, actually, or a watcher, a viewer. Uh, Robert Pethick has given us a 9.8. Someone absolutely engaged in Lioness Euro Fever. I salute your optimism. Let's keep this and take this through to Sunday's final, please. Thank you for letting us know where you're at. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, Euro Edition. Let's get the German perspective then. We've got a special guest to invite in. Joining us from Berlin, we've got German journalist Tamara Keller. Hi, Tamara. Hey. Hello, welcome along. It's brilliant to see you. Um, we've spoken a lot about England. Uh, we've got some opinions on Germany too. But from the German camp, from your side, um, let's talk about key battles, key players that England need to look out for. We've mentioned Alexandra Pop and, of course, Oberdorf as well. Uh, who else is going to be really important for Germany as they set up against England? I just wanted to mention Oberdorf again because the last game you saw how brilliantly she played and the presence she brings on the playing field is enormous. But um, I would also say you have to look out for Svenja Hood because she was one of the key players the last game that um, we could really score that goals. So, um, yeah, it's very impressive. 
We still don't know about Clara Ball and COVID and whether she'll play in this final. We saw Eula Brand, didn't we, in the game against France. Um, can they manage without Clara Ball? Did the demonstration against France basically iterate that they'd be fine without her regardless? Yeah, I think they will still be fine um, because like the whole squad is has such an enormous quality. That's what I already pointed out a lot in your podcast because we have yeah, it's it's quite that that makes us quite confident this year. Um, and that there might be all, always a surprise coming in from another player or something like that. Um, the the game changes a bit, and Clara Bühl brings enormous stability into the game or into the German game but yeah we're still able to manage it all right and um who are the German press talking about or who are the players speaking about from the England side who they're looking out for yeah we're talking about Beth Mead a lot also because of like Alexandra Pop or Beth Mead will win the top scorer Thing. And uh, it's very interesting for the German side because Alexandra Pop, it's for a fairy tale right now for us. She was, wasn't able to take part in the Euro so far. And now she's playing like the tournament of her life. So that will be very interesting and very emotional. It's like yeah. that, that, that what we like about football. We want to see on the German side to win Alexandra Pop this trophy. And um Yeah, also, we are very impressed about uh, the Russo goal. So, yeah. Oh, I mean, it does need a special mention again. We were talking about sleep earlier, and I bet she didn't get any sleep after that. <laughs> uh, Lindsay Hooper speaking to her after the game, and she said it was really interesting because Lucy Bronze, Ellen White, Frank Kirby, all very measured in the mixed zone, quite, you know, keeping it cool after that game against Sweden. Uh, Alessia Russo was just like a fizzy mess. <laughs> and I don't, you know, I don't blame her. I think. Uh, I think we would all be like that. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, Germany have got to watch for those moments of brilliance from England and also subs as well, I suppose, Tamara. You know, um, so often in this Euro, Serena Wiegmann's used the depth of her squad. She's been quite predictable about the subs that she's used. Um, does that does that play into Germany's hands? I was talking to Michael earlier about whether England's predictable lineup helps Germany. Um, have Germany, you know, outlined or do you think Germany will will be benefiting from the fact that they can sort of predict the starting lineup and the substitutions. I don't think think so. I I would agree on Michael's side on that because like the England present was also very very strong and um um he also mentioned that England didn't struggle so far what I already also pointed out in the podcast and I, I'm also looking forward to to watch a similar game like the Spain game against England and like there's a 50-50 chance I see yeah. yeah that's it basically it's a very obvious thing to say um, but it's true and um, finally when we spoke to you right at the beginning of the tournament Tamara Germany wasn't really engaged they hadn't you know, captured or uh, hadn't been caught by any of the Euros fever. What's it like over there now, now that you've reached the final? Are more people talking about it? Are TV audiences going up? Yeah, it's changed a lot. TV um, audience is always higher from game to game. We were like now by over 12 million people who watched the last game. That's enormous. And it, it right now it feels for me like a new era because like everyone is talking about the football and stuff like that. And also um, the public viewing, like um, they are like more like 
three more options, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to calculate in, any, in English, <laughs> but um, like there are enormous more numbers or possibilities to like go to public viewing and watch the game. Yeah. And yeah. it's quite of interesting because um, there wasn't that much en engagement in this right before. And also the German kicker, I don't know if you know that in England, it's like a huge uh, football game, had the first time women on their cover after the last win. And it is, if you see how successful the women were so far or the German team was so far, you see like how maybe that's already like 10 years too late that that happened, but it's the point where we are now and, um, you, you, yeah, the euphoria is is real in yeah, Germany. <laughs> uh, we've been coming up with some catchphrases uh, on this show. Um, feed the mead is our latest one. Are there any sayings, catchphrases, songs that surround this German team? It's obviously going to be in German, but is there anything we should be catching on to? <laughs> I saw a funny clip on, on TikTok, but I don't know. It doesn't have to do something with the German team, but uh, I saw the Will Griggs on fire sound with <laughs> Pop is on fire. <gasps> no, lead is on fire. German, <laughs> the the England defense was terrified. <laughs> I, saw, I saw that and I had I had to laugh that much. And um, a German thing is actually like, the, the England team is always singing Sweet Caroline, as we all know, and the German team is throwing towels into the air. That's what oh, I just know from not those, from not those pesky beach towels <laughs> that you reserve the sun lounges with, surely. So, uh, so Germany throwing towels, uh, us oh. doing Sweet Caroline, and apparently uh, Alexandra Pops taken over the <laughs> Meads on Fire song. Great. Thank you. Uh, Tamara Keller, always a pleasure to speak to you to get the perspective from Germany. Uh, thank you so much. We'll catch up with you soon. Cheers. Thank you very much. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Okay, Michael, Charlotte, game on because we have some viewer questions for you here. Charlotte, I'm going to come to you first. Um, do you think the England team will be satisfied with how they've inspired the nation so far or will they want more? Absolutely. I you always want more. Uh, there's no doubt that a generation has been inspired. You just um, look at, hear people. I was in the hairdressers the other day and everyone was talking about the football. I was like, this is this has never <laughs> happened. Um, but in terms of girls, boys, um, watching TV, friends, family, talking about it, it's a topic of conversation. The thing is going forward now is that, you know, have we got enough pitches to support all those uh, girls that want to get involved um teams are being wanting to being set up left right and center but do we have the facilities to support that and also the big thing is can we carry this momentum on into the WSL we know that attendances last year for the WSL average were only a couple of thousand so um this morning a lot uh, Chelsea Liverpool and Manchester United and Manchester City have all said you know they're going to have uh, Merseyside Derby or the Manchester City Derby or Chelsea's opening game at the men's stadium, Stamford Bridge, the Etihad and Anfield. So, you know, that's huge. But can we continue this momentum? We've spoken about legacy a lot. Um, it's all good on paper. Can we do it in practice? Mm, that was from Danny, by the way, that question. Thank you very much. Uh, which team has more big game experience? Michael Cox to you. Well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, they're both quite youthful teams, aren't they, really? I was looking at the average ages coming to this tournament, and usually the average age of the winners is 
28, 29. I think both these sides are kind of 24, 25 marks. So mm. I'm not sure either have a huge amount of big game experience in terms of European finals or Champions League finals. Um, maybe Germany slightly edge it in that respect. But yeah. Yeah, I'm do. not sure. I'm not sure. I'd really say that's going to be a big factor here, to be honest. I guess it comes down to uh, who's got this far in a tournament before, and what has the outcome been? Um, I don't think Germany have ever lost a Euros final, have they, um, in their history? So you know that that is a marker. That is something to think about. Um, but in terms of getting to this stage of a tournament, yeah, I, I mean Germany do do carry the better experience. Um, From Abby, hello to you. Thank you for tuning in. How significant is it that the final is at Wembley when neither team have played there this tournament? Michael, I'm going to send that to you. Yeah, it's an interesting one, that. I mean, just going back slightly to the the, uh, semi-final, I had a couple of the Sweden players saying, well, okay, it's in England, but we've played twice already at Bramall Lane. So we feel like that's home. I mean, maybe it didn't necessarily have an impact there. I still think it counts as a, a... a big home advantage for England. I mean, there have been England women games there in the past. I just think the you know the, the fact that there's going to be, I would guess, 85, 90% of people in there will be supporting England. Um, yeah, I think it's still a huge factor, that home advantage. Yeah, very much so. Anyone who's in that stadium, it is your duty if you're supporting England to shout loud and long. And whether it's Beth Mead's on fire, Feed the Mead, Sweet Caroline, it's coming home. It's all on you. Everyone there needs to get involved. Um, from Temple Anoli, um, we, we have touched on this before. How can Alex Pop be stopped? Um, but probably a better one to pick up on, or we can wrap it all up together, is who will win the golden boot? Both Beth Mead and Alex Pop on six goals. Mead's got three assists. Pop's got no assists. So, Charlotte Harper, how can Pop be stopped and who's going to win the golden boot? Of course, you know, marking pop uh, we saw in France is that Wendy Renard was drawn out uh, towards the near post and that left pop coming in uh, behind her. But the thing is, was that Sven Yahoot was so instrumental against France with both those assists. So perhaps it's not necessarily stopping pop, but the build-up play again, Lena Oberdorf was instrumental to Germany's second goal that started with her. Um, so with all these things, Yes, Pop is uh, a figurehead to look out for, um, but it, it's coming back further on the field of of where England uh, can stop that attack. Beth Mead against Alexandra Pop. Um, Pop was saying, I have to disappoint you, but I'm not focusing on the individual titles. She said she needs the passes to score those goals. So I'm sure both those players would say that the European Championship title as a team is a lot more important than the Golden Boot. Who's going to win it? I mean, it's impossible to say. Of course, they may be match winners and they may get all the headlines, but both managers have said and emphasised the squad. That's the most important thing from player one to player 23. Uh, Michael, in that big database that sits in your head um, and can cut such wonderful pieces, all the stats that you feed in there, all the churning around that goes on in your brain... Uh, give me a one-word answer. Who's going to win the Golden Boot, Alex Pop or Beth Mead? Uh, I'm going to bet neither will score, so it will go to Mead on assists, which I'm not sure necessarily should be the tiebreaker, oh, but it on. is. 
Well, so yeah, go exactly. It's got to be all right. Mead for you. There we go. Uh, lots more questions coming in, um, but I'm afraid we've run out of time to answer them. But a big thank you from all of us uh, for getting them in. And I hope you've enjoyed the show as well. It's all we've got time for on this Athletic Women's Football Podcast Euros edition. Uh, our final Euro podcast, by the way, will be with you on Monday morning right after the action. We're all going to be at the final. Uh, so you'll get some brilliant atmosphere and some great insight as well. And we'll be uh, checking in with Lindsay and uh, as many people as we can as we bring all the atmosphere of that final to you let's hope it's a win for England um I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed nothing more we can say about that Charlotte Harper thanks to you for joining us and Michael as well thank you to you and there's lots of content up on the athletic website actually build up to this final I wonder if uh, each of you could point us in the direction of a piece of yours uh, that's worth us reading through before the big day Charlotte Oh, it's a good one. Uh, Alexandra Pop did a piece on her against Germany against France. Uh, check out the stats on there and her story if you want to read up on her. Michael? Yeah, the one I've got out today, I mentioned it earlier, but just about the, the statistics comparing this Euros to the one five years ago. I just think the progression in terms of the level of football is absolutely extraordinary in five years. And I think the numbers show that. Yeah. Uh, listen, thank you to both of you then for taking time out of your really busy schedule and enjoy the final on Sunday. I'll see you there, Charlotte, for sure. And Michael, I know you're going to be in the crowd for this one, living the experience as a fan. Uh, thank you to you uh, if you've been watching and listening. Thank you, as ever, to our beloved producer, Sophie, who's been clocking some unbelievable hours during this tournament as she edits through the morning, the very early morning. And uh, uh, so thanks to Sophie. Uh, and by the way, if your friends and family uh, could benefit from our Euros experience and you want to pass the recommendation on, we'd be really grateful to you tell them to jump on the euros bandwagon it's not too late to get involved very involved at this stage tell them about the show please get them to subscribe follow listen however you want to get involved that's a big thank you from us and bye for now the athletic